This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. But before I I jump into this, I just want to say something. Um, And I think of this fairly often, but today it hit me again. Like, I am... I never, I never want to take for granted the presence of God that we experience in here together. It's amazing. It's amazing. Come on, give it up for Jesus. So good. So good. His mercy and his grace to show up, you know, as we corporately gather. There's a, there's a, there's really a, an oomph to, to it, really, right? That, I mean, I've experienced God in his presence, like, on my own, by myself, in amazing ways. But there's something about when we come to de- together collectively in his name here he is, dunamisly, the Bible says, powerfully in our midst. Amen? So we're going to be wrapping up uh, today and actually this coming Sunday uh, at, at a Harbor Home Sunday. If you haven't been, it's amazing. Come. We're going to have a post-Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving time together. It's going to be awesome. And there's, there's engagement that takes place on these Sundays with one another where we each can bring our voice to the table and and share in life with one another, give of what we have of our own hearts to other people. So it's an amazing, amazing time. But we're wrapping up this series that we've been in with hundreds of other churches across the region called As It Is in Heaven. And I just want to focus for just a few minutes this morning as we we conclude our time on what I've titled our mandate. Because the aim of this series, the whole reason that this was was brought to Church United, if you will, the the collective church within South Florida, is we want to come into agreement with the prayers of Jesus, with the heart of Jesus. How many of you know there's power in agreement, in unity? I tell married couples, I'm like, listen, whatever you're going to do in, in your marriage with each other, minimally just get unified around something, right? Because there's power in unity. There's power in agreement. You even look at the Tower of Babel when they weren't even serving the Lord. It says that they were of one mind and of one accord. And the Lord said there's nothing that they're unable to do, to accomplish. Now, it wasn't God's will, right? So he had to scatter the people at that time. But there's power in agreement. So we want to come into agreement, which we're going to do at the end today with the prayers of Jesus so that we can literally see the kingdom of God come, as we were singing about today, here in South Florida, and his will be done in this place as it is in heaven. If you believe that, say amen. Come on. This is the mandate that is over our lives. Be done here as it is in heaven. This is our mandate. All right. Now, a mandate just to apply this to each of us personally, because this is not I'm not talking about a collective mandate. I'm talking about individual mandates over all of our lives to be activated in this moment. And the reason I I just feel some passion on this message this morning is we're setting a table for 2023 and what God is wanting to do here in South Florida. I believe we're being given a moment right now. And God wants to raise us up, give us understanding so that we can aptly apply it. And a mandate is this. It's an authorization to act. Guess what? You've been authorized by the king of heaven 
by the one who created all things, by the one who can empower you with otherworldly grace to be able to accomplish stuff that you could never do in your own abilities. You have been authorized to act. You are a given representative of the kingdom of heaven and your life has value and what you do matters to the collective whole. I want us to sit with that for just a minute. It, it matters that, number one, we've been authorized with an assignment, the great commandment, carrying out the great commission, right? We, we, we don't need to go into all that this morning. But we've been authorized with this mandate to act, to move. And I'm not talking in our own strength. I'm not talking out of even zeal or our, our own good intentions. I'm talking about out of the grace of God to do something and to see something in our lifetime. I want to just read this verse. It was actually mentioned here on the stage. And we're going to just take a few minutes and just peer into this for just a little bit. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, reading on the New Living, it says this, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages in that area. So picture our region. He, was, he would have been all over this place from West Palm Beach all the way down to Miami-Dade, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of sickness and disease. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Verse 37, and he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Now, here's the agreement with the prayers of Jesus right here in verse 38. He said, so pray to the Lord who was in charge of the harvest. In other words, the Father, and ask him to send more workers into the field. So we've already been given the authorization to act. We all are qualified as representatives in Jesus. But now there's got to be something that comes into our hearts and into our lives as the body of Christ to begin to move forward in something otherworldly that really sees something transpire in South Florida that could never be accomplished outside of the grace of God. This is where we are. And by the way, I want to just say this. This is a cultural battle for the minds and hearts of men and women that live here. This is a cultural battle. This is real. It's game on. It's like there's never been a moment, probably in human history like now, where it's been raging to such a degree. This is a moment, but God is going to see this come to pass. Now, some of you uh, may know, because if you follow myself or Wendy on Instagram or Facebook, and if you don't, shame on you. Come on, somebody. You should be following your pastors. Can I get an Amen. I get a lot of unfriends. Can I get an amen? I'm, I'm totally kidding. Um, but we, we, we just put it out there that, that she was involved in a, a very serious high-speed uh, accident this Tuesday, this past Tuesday, at the intersection of Military Trail and Crystal Lakes Drive. Now, I don't, I don't do this all the time, but for whatever reason, in the midst of probably one of the worst moments of my life, getting a phone call, hey, your wife has been involved in a very serious traffic accident. She's being transported by ambulance to North Broward Trauma Center, and you just hear those words, right? 
and you don't know what's transpired fully, and then I'm, I'm racing to get there to, to see what's happening with my wife. It was, it was a horrific moment. And in the midst of this, I can't even explain it, Holy Spirit just shows up in the car and says, I want to show you something about what happened here today. And I want to turn it in your heart for the good. And I want you to to be a force of my grace to to encourage the body on what's actually happening in this moment. I want to show you the car. Like it was, this was, it was, it was, she was traveling north. She was turning left and um, at this intersection and a a young man was, was not paying attention. He was at high speed. When he kind of saw what was happening in front of him, there was a car stopped at the light as Wendy was making this turn as he was traveling southbound. And then he just, you know, reacted. He veered to avoid hitting the car in front of him because he didn't have time to brake. And he thought to himself, oh man, the light's red. I got to gun it, get through. And then boom, hit my wife without even braking it. Maybe 65, 70. Who even knows the speed limit? Sent her car flying through the air, and it was hit more, a little bit more towards the, the back of it. And it spun the car through the air until it hit a concrete power pole and then came to rest. She said she never even saw the vehicle outside of, uh, up to impact, and it was more like a flash that, that she just kind of, and then she, in her mind, I was asking her, I was like, babe, what were you thinking? She said, I couldn't even comprehend what was happening in the moment. It was, it was, she thought maybe a plane had crashed on her. You know, she just didn't have any clue of what was going on. But, but I want you to see actually the goodness of God in something today, right? We all have challenges. We have, that was probably one of the worst days of my life. And thank God, you know, doesn't look like there's any major things physically happening with her right now. Sometimes these things show up later, but her life was spared, y'all. Right? Miraculous, even the officer. Come on. Jesus is good. Jesus is good. And not, not everything goes our way all the time. You know, we, we, we could have, this could have been a completely different outcome. And I would have still told you, God is good. And he is, he is reigning. He's ruling despite how things happen and transpire in our lives that we don't understand, that we don't have, you know, just an answer for why did this take place. But I want you to see some beautiful, good imagery in this instant uh, instance with me, all right? She was traveling north on military trail, all right? I'm going to get to that in just a minute because I was crazy. Like, after all this, I'm, home, you know, going home. The Lord's like, study the history of military trail. I'm like, why? I want to just make sure Wendy's okay. He's like, you can do both. Like, I want to show you something here. And she was turning left on Crystal Lakes Drive. Now that's significant for me because left or west, that's the direction she was going, is our worship component here at our True North Discipleship Framework that we've come up with, this whole transform people, transforming culture thing that Savannah mentioned. But west is worship. West is, and think about Crystal Lakes, like it's the sea of glass where worship is happening right now. And Wendy is turning into that space where God's going to take her. And it's not just her as a woman, but it's his bride to a whole new place as it relates to what worship actually looks like. It's way bigger than singing. It's the offering of our lives as living sacrifices before God in a historic moment in human history that is upon us right now that we're getting ready to enter into. And instead of a collision, 
that is meant to bring death and destruction. There's a beautiful, I felt Holy Spirit speaking. I'm, there's, there's no way I'm going to fully be able to unpack this. But he, I felt he showed me that there's a beautiful collision that's coming between Generation Z and Gen Xers in the day to come. Now, I needed just, just a little bit of explanation here. Gen Z is the largest generation, population-wise, in the history of humanity. There's no larger contingency of a people group ever than Gen Z. And they're the most diverse generation in human history. And the good majority of them want nothing to do with religion. I'm talking in this country, but it's global, right? Because of how the enemy has worked his angles to taint and, 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 and contort the very nature of the Father. He's, he's done a number in the church. And God is going to bring a redemption to where there's going to be, be this collision between a Gen Zer and the Gen X generation. By the way, the young man that hit my wife was a Gen Z generation. My wife is a Gen X generation. What is Gen X? Gen X is a marked generation of leaders that are being raised up in this moment to be fathers and mothers to really come to the table and say, I'm going to give everything of my life in this moment, in these last, you know, however, a couple of decades that I have remaining in my life. I'm going to come and I'm going to be a father and I'm going to be a mother to see God do something great. That's on Gen X. It's marked. They've been marked. Wendy and I talk about our, our own journeys and our story and it's too much to go into, you know, as right now this morning, but there are things that, that have happened in our life that only God could have done to get us even to this moment. And I'm sobered by that. I'm sobered by the fact that God has marked me for an assignment. He's been, he's been authorizing me to do something significant with our lives, Wendy included. I feel like she's just getting started in what the Lord has for her. But this is a cultural battle, and it's a bloody road. And God is raising up servants. Everybody say servants. Come on. Servants. And, and this is the, the, the crazy the, theological thought behind this whole servanthood concept. It's not out of guilt and mani- manipulation and religious duty. It's like you've been so captured by love. Like Paul said that, man, I, I can't even help but offer myself as a living sacrifice. It's, it's my reasonable service. It's really all that I can do. And he described himself as one who was a voluntary slave into this assignment. Doesn't even make sense to our human minds, right? He's raising up servants to till the soil of human hearts so that God can bring forth something beautiful. Come on, don't become so, some old cynic that thinks, man, this next generation, they're so out of touch, they're so lost, there's no hope. Oh, no, 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 no. There is the greatest moment right now that's gonna hit these Gen Zers like ever before. And I'm like, God, give us strategic insight. Give us understanding into this generation because to be honest, I'm somewhat feel detached from them. Not really knowing what they think or how they feel or what goes on in the inside of them. I know millennials a little better. But Gen Z, think about the letter. It's a final letter, right? 
Could it be the final generation? I don't know. But it's a significant generation. I love what Jason Upton says. He says, there's not going to be a garden that produces anything beautiful unless someone's hands are bleeding. You know, if you've ever tilled the soil and created something out of nothing as it relates to practical gardening in life, right? It is, it is arduous work. You've got to pull up rocks and weeds and, and reshape and form things. It's, 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 it's hard. It's hard work that, that I actually find beautiful. I actually very much enjoy it. But, but it's not going to become a garden unless our hands are bleeding a little bit, right? We need to act. We need to respond to God's call over us in this moment. So back to the military trail thing. I looked up the history of this thing. Did you know that military trail is ex- the, 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 the paved road is exactly in the same location as a dirt road, a dirt pathway that was, that was constructed, began to be not even built. There was no real building. They just kind of cut down trees. In 1817, before Florida was even a state in our country. And it started 46 miles to the north of Miami in what was called Fort Jupiter, and it ran all the way down to what's, what was called Fort Dallas in Miami. And it was, it was to support troop movement during the Seminole Wars, which took place between 1817 and 1858. There was three wars that took place in this time. Now listen, this is where culture is broken, right? And we just gotta be honest with this. Like, the wars were opened up because of the Seminoles' desirable land for white settlement and for exploitation. This is what was going on. And the good majority of these, these Seminole Indians that were living down here, they got moved to uh, reservations in Oklahoma and got displaced from this area. But here's what I want you to hear. I never had no clue about this. That 300... Seminole Indians moved into the deep places of the Everglades to resist this displacement of their people. And they called them, these 300, think about Gideon's army. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. People that are going to be unmoved on this bloody trail called military trail, right? We're going to be unmoved in, 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 in us taking possession of the land that is rightfully ours. And I'm not trying to make any political statements here. Please don't email me. Email Savannah. Come on, somebody. Tell her how horrible, you know. But, but, but I'm not making any, I'm just trying to paint some imagery for you because that's all it is. We are not going to get displaced from our land that is rightfully ours here in South Florida, where the kingdom of heaven is destined to come to this place. Come on, somebody. And so they fled into the Everglades. Now, what's interesting, Bear Grylls, the survival expert, if you haven't watched some of his shows, he said this, and I quote, he said, the Everglades are the most uninhabitable place on the planet to live all around the world. Now, think about that for a minute. Well, Darren, you don't know what I'm going through in my life. You don't know what it's like to live my journey. You don't know what it's like to be through the things that I've been through. Yeah, I don't probably, but God does. 
And no matter what it looks like in your living conditions and the things going on around you, it may feel uninhabitable, but you are going to thrive in that place. And you are going to live and you are going to survive. And you're not only going to survive, but you're going to be empowered out of this reality. I don't have time, so i got to fast forward here. Did you know the Seminole Indian tribe, because of these 300 unconquered ones, is one of the wealthiest tribes out of any other tribe in, 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 in the Indian contingency, Native American contingency. You ever heard of the Seminole Hard Rock Casino? Come on, somebody. And if you have, we're going to pray for you at the end. Come on. Oh, Darren, I was there last night. No, I mean, it wasn't. It's okay. Go have some fun. Go see a comedy show. You know, enjoy yourself, right? But, but they, they own these properties, right? And I was looking this up. It's crazy. They have $10 billion of just assets in casinos. And I'm not, I'm not bragging on casinos. I'm just saying it's like you're taking your property. You're, you're, you're securing your future. And every single Seminole Indian right now that lives in this area that is, is back to booming populations receives $7,000 a month as recompense off of their profits. I want to be in a Seminole. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Maybe it's deep in my historical roots. I can say, guys, I'm with you. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm a part of it. Like, let's do this thing, right? Seven grand a month. But the number to me was more like completion, perfection, right? That's what seven's all about. Just, just There's beauty over the people again, despite like atrocities that we're trying to come against them, right? Okay, calm down. So Gen X... A marked generation of fathers and mothers being fueled under the wisdom and the prayers of the boomers. Come on, boomers, you're not even close to being finished. This, the oil of wisdom, Holy Spirit's going to squeeze out of you in the coming days, whoever may be listening to this, and the power on your prayers and the fathering and mothering over a marked generation is so significant, you have no idea. And the enemies try to tell you, you're finished, you're wrapped up, you're has been, your worst, your best days are, are behind you. No, the glory of your latter house will be greater than the former, boomers. And being called in this moment for all that fit this, this contingency are the millennials to become the hands and feet. You are the army of action that God wants to raise up in this moment. And you know what I've seen? And going back to my understanding of the millennials, I've seen so much disillusionment in the millennials. And I'm like, enough is enough. I'm going to stand on this bloody road called Military Trail, and we're going to get to what worship really looks like on that sea of glass, on those crystal lakes, and we're going to get ready for this collision of, the, of one of the largest contingencies called Gen Z ever in human history to be ushered in to what, what is being referred to as probably the third great awakening. It is upon us. Do you understand this? It is here right now. Three generations deep, God is establishing himself. But millennials will be the hands and feet of Jesus operating to move a system of religion into what it really looks like to be family. Come on. 
People are done with religion. They're tired of it, right? They're over it. That ship sailed during the whole 2020 COVID. the, The Lord allowed it to happen. Millennials have probably in many ways evaluated the current church as not authentic, too corporate, too political. No space to be open about struggles because of the spirit of judgment. A focus on knowledge more than love. Where the majority of activity takes place in the building instead of out in community. Come on. Where people who are different are not really welcomed. We need to change these things. Millennials, you can do this. You can be a catalyst for this. Let's do this. I'm feeling like keyboard. I need a keyboard right now, you know. This is our mandate. And we need to look to Jesus as our guide. So quickly, two minutes as we wrap this up. When you go back to the verse in in Matthew that I read earlier, there's keys here for us if we can see them. Because he is an example that modeled what we are to follow. He showed us exactly what this thing's gonna look like to see the harvest come. First thing is this, we need to leverage our influence. Okay, now we, listen, you gotta let this stir in you, okay? You, as a representative, are and will continually be put in places where you are going to have influence that others like myself won't have. And there's significance over this. And we need to leverage that influence for the sake of the kingdom. And it doesn't just need to be for us and our assignment, but it needs to be a collective leveraging of influence. So in other words, if we have a business person that's successful and they start moving in some realms, there's a key there that God has for us and the rest of us as a community. Are you following me? If there's a mom in a neighborhood that's connecting with 5, 10, 15, 20 other moms and there's a, there's favor and leverage that's being influenced uh, over that influence that's happening, that's a part of what we are assigned to do as well. Does this make sense? It's not separated Leverage. If you look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, he says, Jesus traveled throughout all the towns and villages in that area. He leveraged his influence among the people that he was walking with, right? Secondly, we need to exercise our power of invitation. Please hear me. There is something really powerful about telling somebody, hey, you are welcome here. There is space for you in God's house. I'm not talking about church invites necessarily. That happens, that's good. I'm talking about inviting people that have no concept of God to say, hey, listen, you may think it this way that you gotta get yourself cleaned up until you ever come into that kind of a space. And God wants you to know right now that you are invited in because of not what you've done, because of what Jesus has done. And we need to leverage that power of invitation. He was teaching verse 35b in the synagogues and announcing the good news of the kingdom. Good news. 
We put way more faith in the old Adam that brought death to mankind than we do in the new Adam, Jesus, who brought life to everybody who believes. When you come and put your faith in the second Adam, you are translated from one kingdom to another. You are no longer sinner, but you are saint, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ, and you are now positioned to do something powerful for him. This is the invitation we need to invite people into. We need to initiate. We need to have some initiation in our hearts. It says that he healed every kind of disease and illness. He didn't just stand back anymore. He had been given the go-ahead by the Father to go do this. We need to initiate among hurting people. Lastly, we need to have compassion. When Jesus saw the crowds in verse 36, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. How do we view people that are confused and helpless and are just wandering? They're just lost. Oh God, I don't want to bother myself with them. No, we need to be moved in our hearts with compassion. Thanks for tuning into the Harbor Church podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.